0: we are reading tonight again from the book of Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, and we'll begin in verse 11. This passage of scripture I know we've looked at before, It's it's a familiar event, it's a very beautiful event. We looked at this event just at first glance, it's such a beautiful story, but it's made even more so by looking at the details. And we've mentioned this before, as you look at the introduction into Luke's gospel, he mentions the fact that he did very thorough research, and he made sure to include details. And so we read through these passages of Scripture, and sometimes we read over details that are very significant that we, we may not ordinarily catch until we stop and slow down and look at some things very closely. And that's what we we'll want to look at is the details that make a beautiful story even More beautiful, Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 11. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 11. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. When he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited with his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Let's pray together. We thank you again, Father, for showing us another story from the life of Jesus and the work of Jesus. And Father, we ask as we look at the mind and heart of Jesus that we would have that same heart. Help us, Father, to look at these details and they would be inspiring and comforting and assuring to all of us. And help us, Father, to be motivated to serve you more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Look at this passage of scripture and you have to understand the divine timetable of Jesus, of Jesus being in the right place at precisely the right time, precisely the right time. The place was Nain. Nain was about 25 miles away from Capernaum. That would be a good day's walk. If you walked at three miles per hour, you do the math, it'd take you a little bit over eight hours. If you had a slow walk with all this crowd, Two miles, it'd be 12 and a half hours. What we know, it was many hours of a walk from where he was to name Capernaum. So when did he start? We don't know when he started, but he started at precisely the right time to be exactly where he needed to be to intercept a funeral procession going to the cemetery. The procession was heading out of the city. Now, according to Hebrew customs, the young man would have died that day because Jewish custom was to bury the same day of death. Sometime that day while Jesus was coming, that man had passed away. Preparations for burial were made. The professional mourners were called in. Friends and family were gathered up. We don't know if it's a lengthy illness. We do not know if it's an injury, an unexpected death. We do not know anything about the fact that Jesus was heading out of Capernaum, and he could have gone any other place, any other direction. But he headed out of Capernaum and went to Nain, and got to Nain after a many hours walk at exactly the time the funeral procession was heading to the cemetery. Now, it gets even more precise. It says this, when he came near the gate of the city, this interaction happened near the gate of the city. It would have taken less than about a minute for that mother and that coffin to pass by the gate of the city and be out of the city. We've got less than a minute timetable. What's the significance of of the gate? He mentions the gate. Well, the gate was more than just an entrance to the city. To get the full significance of what the gate of the city meant, we're gonna go back to the Old Testament to the book of Ruth chapter four. And bear in mind that Luke made sure to include that they were near the gate when this happened. Back up in Ruth chapter 4, we'll look at verse 1 and some other passages. Ruth chapter 4, verse 1, Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, And behold, a close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came and sat down. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. You skip down there to verse 9. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Cailon's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off among his brethren and from his position in the gate. You are witnesses this day. And all the people who are at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. What just happened? You see, the gate was where all of the leaders of the city would assemble for important transactions. The gate was very similar to the courthouse, where the clerk is and where you file important papers. And notice, he gathered the witness right there at the gate. That's where important business was transacted, witnessed, and documented by the officials. And the most trusted leaders met at the gate. If you remember in the book of Proverbs chapter 31, verse 23, when it talks about the virtuous woman, says her husband is known in the gates. That means he was a man of standing. All of the important people, the people that were most trusted and more responsible, and the leaders would meet there. Now, Jesus left at just the right time, not just to get to this funeral procession before it got to the cemetery. He left at exactly the right time to get to that funeral procession in that one-minute window when it would be going by the gate. Where what happened between him and that funeral procession would be seen by the most trusted leaders in town who witnessed and documented all the important transactions. I'm sure they had witnessed and documented the death of this man. And now, in the presence of all of these people, he raised him from the dead. How did Jesus know When to come. You see, he was not requested to be there, was he? Nobody knew at that time that the man was even going to die. They didn't know a funeral was coming for him to hurry up and get there for the funeral. Nobody contacted Jesus. How'd he know? Well, because it is true. Jesus is God and God in the flesh who walked among us. And that's the beautiful detail. Two large crowds meet. Did you see what Luke included here? Jesus came with the disciples and a large crowd. And he made sure to let us know that the funeral procession with this widow and all these mourners was also a large crowd. Two large crowds met at the gate of the city. Now, a funeral procession had absolute priority. Nothing or no one would interrupt the progress of a funeral procession going to the cemetery. It just was not done. It was a transaction that just absolutely was unacceptable, was unthinkable that you would even stop a funeral procession. Uh, The first thing, of course, was for consideration of the family. And, of course, the idea was that Body had to be buried before sundown that day. So we realize it was late in the day because Jesus started that day to get there. So you couldn't stop a funeral procession. Now, to stop a funeral procession would attract a lot of attention. It would attract a lot of negative attention. In fact, I was reading some of the scholars that said, you know, the the mindset of the day is anybody tried to stop a funeral procession, they could have gotten hurt. But Jesus did it. He just stepped right up. What does that show us? The commanding presence of Jesus to step up and stop a funeral procession. And nobody challenged him. Nobody challenged him. He had that kind of persona. He had that kind of presence when he stepped up. And nobody protested. Nobody tried to stop him. And then we have the unsolicited love of Jesus. Nobody would even think of asking him to do what he was about to do. But look what the scripture says. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Don't cry. Who's that her? Well, she was a widow. She had already lost a husband. She was depending on her grown son to take care of her. Because notice Luke makes sure to say it wasn't just a son. It says a dead man was being carried out. He was a grown man, and he was the son of a widow. She had already lost a husband, and now he was the only son she had. Now, in that day, widows had to have family to take care of them. There were no programs. There were no (coughs) other avenues. They had to have family. So, therefore, she had to have somebody to take care of her. Thankfully, she had a grown son, and now he was gone. She was devastated by grief, and no doubt she was devastated by what was she going to do. Her future was uncertain. Her heart was broken. and Jesus saw her, and he was moved with compassion. This passage of Scripture says, had compassion. Other passages say he was moved with compassion. This is, term is used at least six times in the gospel. I like what uh, William Barclay says, Greek scholar. The way he interprets it is Jesus was moved to the depths of the of his heart unsolicited love and of course we have the ultimate authority of christ he came and touched the open coffin what it was it was a wicker basket Uh, another term for it would be a beer it was just a platform a wicker basket that the dead was carried out in and they carried that and probably carried on their shoulders so he came and touched the open coffin and the people that were there just absolutely stood still. Nobody was expected that because nobody else but those who were authorized to carry it would want to touch an open coffin. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. He who was dead, certified, and notice Luke was a physician, was dead, sat up and began to talk. Wow. The ultimate authority of Jesus Christ is the ultimate power over death, our greatest enemy. You know, we have a lot of enemies. but The Bible says, of course, on over in the epistle of the Apostle Paul, the greatest enemy is death. And Jesus just took care of that in the gate of the city. And then we have a basic truth that's often unspoken. We, sometimes we don't recognize it. But look in verse 15. In verse 15, it says, he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And look what happened. And he presented him to his mother. Wow. What a moment. What a moment. He sat up and began to speak. And somehow Jesus then took that young man, I'm not sure how it happened, but he was with the young man. And he took that young man and he walked him over to his mom and said, here's your son. What a moment when Jesus, here's your son. And you see, he didn't just have to walk over to his mom. Jesus took him over there. You can go home. Here's your son. Man, what a moment. But then again, sometimes we forget this was the second time for this, wasn't it? See, some years before, a little boy was born to a happy couple. See, years and years before, God presented to her her son. Here's your son. Oh, the words weren't spoken, but who was responsible for that little baby boy in that happy home? God was. God was. Who presented him to the parent? God did. And here's the truth. When we look at Jesus presenting this boy to his mom, every person that's in our lives that we love, is in our lives because God presented them to us. Every single person we love, God presented them to us. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? And so as we stop and have our time of prayer and thank God for everything that he's done for us, don't forget to thank him for the people that we love that he's presented to us. And it's, just as important now as it was when Jesus presented this man back to his mother. It's no less important. They're no less dear to us. It's no less of a blessing. But everybody in our life that we love, God presented them to us. That's the beautiful picture of the funeral procession at name. Is there anything before we close? Stand and be dismissed with a word of prayer.